Perhaps you remember the name Tim Russert. Tim Russert was a television journalist and a lawyer who hosted for 16 years the news media show Meet the Press. Russert died a few years ago at an early age. He was only 58 when he died. Tim Russert is credited with coining the terms red state and blue state, which is the now common designation of how residents tend to vote in a certain state. Red for Republican, blue for Democrat. During NBC's coverage of the 2000 presidential election, Russert sat on the set and he calculated possible electoral college outcomes using a whiteboard. That whiteboard is now in the Smithsonian. And he memorably summed up the outcome of that election as dependent upon Florida, Florida, Florida. And he was right. The scene has been described as one of the hundred greatest moments in television history. Tim Russert is also well known uh, for his number one best-selling book entitled Big Russ. It's a book about his father. In that book, he credits so much from his own life to his father's love and teachings and encouragement and care. His father told him basically to keep it simple and go by the numbers. Go by the numbers that his father was famous for taking out a yellow pad and just writing down the numbers and adding things up. Russert says in his book, Big Russ, the older I get, the smarter my father seems to get. Hardly a day goes by, he says, when I do not remember or rely on something that my father taught me. This is not Father's Day, but maybe it could be. Today we're talking and thinking about the coming of God. And here's the passage. It's from Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forever, evermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. We've been looking across recent weeks at those names that Isaiah calls God. And today our focus is on the third name, Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Tim Russert says in his book about his father that he stands fully on the shoulders of his father. His father taught him so much about life, about respect, about faith about hard work, about more, many things. His father gave him a foundation. And his father set before him expectations that gave him something high to aim for. And in doing that book, Russert says that he discovered, in talking to so many of his friends and colleagues, how fathers significantly shaped so many people's lives. I know lots about this myself. On Friday of this week, uh, Ginger and I drove to Chatham, Virginia to 
celebrate again the life of Claudia Emerson, who was from the Chatham, the town of Chatham, and a longtime member of Chatham Presbyterian Church. So we had a service here on Thursday and a service there on Friday. As some of you know, my father served as the pastor of the Chatham Presbyterian Church. That was 30 years ago, and it was prior to my own life as a pastor. I had not been back to that church since those days when my father served in that place. Yet on Friday, I was the one standing in the pulpit of that sanctuary, sharing the good news of God's love and God's light as we celebrated the life of one dear to many of us, Claudia Emerson, who grew up in that church. Following that service, it was such a joy and an honor to greet so many familiar faces, people who knew my father, people who I knew from my father's time there, people who spoke so fondly about my father's ministry in Chatham, not just Claudia's mother, Molly, but many other people in that town. One man even told me how he had been to church his whole life, but he said, He always felt God speaking most directly and most personally to his soul as he listened to my father's sermons 30 years ago. These are the powerful and some of the best connections of life and faith and church. I knew I was standing there, as Russert says, on the shoulders of my father. I was seeking to be a faithful and helpful pastor to Claudia's family, to Kent, Claudia's husband, and a helpful presence to the church family in Chatham. And what it did was generated more feelings of sincere community and connections and faith that's always at work in our lives. Thanks be to God. Unfortunately, this does not always happen. All of us do not think like this. I'm very aware of that. For many, and maybe some of you, the person who was father in your life may not have filled that role so nobly, so lovingly. Maybe even the phrase father for some of you conjures up more negative or possibly hurtful feelings. So to talk of everlasting father, then it can become problematic or less than positive. Here's what I want to do today. This God who comes as everlasting Father comes to give us a solid and relational foundation. This God who comes as everlasting Father comes to call us to high expectations. And this God who comes as everlasting Father remains with us forever. In other words, perpetually. First, though the term father might not be the best name for many of us, the idea of everlasting father as an important designation for the God who comes intends to be sincerely relational, relational. That name reminds us that we are given, we are invited into a close familial connection with the God of the universe. We are not simply creatures of the Creator. We are children of God, personally related to God. We're not just people of a covenant. We are descendants, descendants, family members, intimately related to God. This is a truth that wants to give us all a solid foundation. This news intends to grind us in the footing that whatever happens to us, we belong to God. 
We are not thrown into the winds to be blown about, though we may feel that way sometimes. No, we are children whose lives are rooted in God. Always closely related, watched over, cared for, held by the living God. This is what the story of the Bible is all about. God creates the world and then God calls us into relationship. God calls us to go and be God's people, being a blessing in the world. And God always goes with us, alongside us, step for step. It's a relationship that undergirds all things. As Tim Russert says, he stands on the On the shoulders of his father and everything in life, we are also held together, undergirded, sustained in all things by God, given a foundation, a stronghold through sincere connections to God through all our days. This is how the Bible actually conveys this. The eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are God's everlasting arms. That's from Deuteronomy. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. That's from Romans 14. God is our refuge and strength, a present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Psalm 46. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear God. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, says the Lord. This intimate relationship, especially God's undergirding, this relational care, this abiding presence, gives us a foundation for our existence. This is the essence of Everlasting Father. That's the message in that phrase. God gives us life and God stays in relationship. We're invited to see God in all the personal, loving, uh, relational ways that God is present. Not far off and detached, but close and connectional. No despair of ours. No complexity that we're facing. No problem that feels too dominating for our lives can ever change the reality of things the truth we are related to God we're always God's children who stays connected to us no matter what happens that's the promise of everlasting father then there's the expectation piece Tim Russert says this I can't explain how it happened exactly But our parents had certain expectations of us, and we met them, at least most of the time. After supper, nobody had to remind us to do our homework. It was part of our family daily routine, and we just did it. Mornings in our house were just as orderly as evenings. We never slept late. We had things to do. Sundays, we would go to church. Saturdays, we had chores and places to go. Everything was rooted in expectations. In thinking about this title of this sermon, Everlasting Father, I found myself perusing the early chapters of Matthew's gospel, especially the Sermon on the Mount. We heard just a glimpse of it in the first reading. I'm pretty familiar with most of these words. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You have heard it said, you shall not murder. I say to you, do not be angry. You shall love your neighbor. But I say, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. 
all these teachings of Jesus. Then this week, I noticed that these many references in these passages allude to Father. And they go like this. Jesus gives these words of challenging instruction and expectation. And then Jesus frames them so that you may be children of your Father. That phrase keeps coming up all through these sections. Because we're related to God... Because we are undergirded and sustained by God in all things. Because we are connected to the God of the universe. Then there are these expectations that go along with that. Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. Don't just give your shirt. Give your cloak as well. You can, so you can live as children of God. These instructions continue. When you pray, pray in this way, with humility and authenticity, not heaping empty words on each other. And if you forgive others, your Father will forgive you. And do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That leads to nowhere. You cannot serve two masters. You will end up being devoted to one and despising the other. These are the expectations of the children of God. This is the way those who are related to God live in the world. Related to God, this is what we do. Don't worry, your Father will provide. Don't judge, your Father will take care of the judging. Ask, search, knock, God will hear you and God will grant you what's most needed in everything. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. This is how children of God live. So when we open our hearts to the coming of God as everlasting Father, we seek to begin to align our lives in the way God wants us living. What we are asked to do is be in the world who God would be. Love, forgiveness, mercy, life, and light. Be in the world as God's children the way God would be in the world. Compassion, loving kindness. This is who we are. Who are we to be is who God is. Compassion was the wallpaper of Jesus' soul. Compassion was the contour of Jesus' heart. This is who Jesus was on earth. It's what Jesus asks us to be about too. Related to God as children, held by God forever, We live a certain way. Compassion, care, forgiveness, peace. We keep hearing it. One theologian puts it like this. Just assume the answer to every question is compassion. And this is no fleeting, occasional uh, expression about being nice. It emerges from the depths of our beings. The deepest parts of us. Compassion And care, that's what shapes us. This is our goal, to be changed, to be called to a higher expectations of how we relate because we belong to God, because we are children of the living God. We live differently. We care, we serve, we help, we forgive, we sacrifice. We have a purpose beyond ourselves. When we know God as everlasting Father, we seek to Promote the light and the hope and the peace and the joy and the purposes of God across our city and across our world. 
So we have this relational foundation and we have these high expectations of what this means. And then there's this final emphasis, everlasting, perpetual, everlasting father. It's perpetual. During the French Revolution, a systematic effort was made to wipe out every expression of Christianity. When a peasant was found huddled in an alley praying, he was told that before too long, all the steeples would be pulled down and all the churches would be destroyed. Christian faith had no place in the emerging order. There would be no longer anything to remind the peasant of the living God. To which the old man in the alley responded, What do you plan to do with the stars? Everlasting Father reminds us that God, God's intimate connectedness to us, God's high calling for our lives in the way of discipleship is also perpetual. As Handel puts it so well in the Hallelujah Chorus. And he shall reign forever and ever. Forever and ever. Alleluia. Alleluia. Amen. Everlasting Father. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Fill our hearts, O God, with your presence. Shape us in your abiding care as faithful children. Send us forth in fresh commitment to compassion and your coming reign in Christ our Lord. Amen.